Praise the Lord. Woo! That gets your blood going a little bit? It did mine. I, I tapped my foot. And I might have cut my hands and raised them a little too. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, I want to make, you, make sure you're aware of a special service that's coming up this week. Christmas Eve. We're having our family Christmas Eve service. It's 5 o'clock over in the big room. 5 o'clock over in the big room. I'm saying that correct, right? I'm not saying the wrong term, uh, time. I think I said the wrong time last week. 5 o'clock over in the big room. You come. I will have a, a communion uh, together, and uh, it is just going to be a wonderful opportunity for us to worship on Christmas Eve with our family. So you come and, and be a part of that, okay? All right, we're so, I'm so glad that you're here today in, in this place worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, if you're new here, I didn't introduce myself earlier. I want to do that now. My name's Derek, Derek Hartley. I'm the Minister of Spiritual Development here at First Baptist. It's my privilege to preach here to bring the word to you this morning excited about this we're in the middle of a sermon series called christmas lights um christmas lights and uh it's all about the light at christmas right you know when you travel around it's fun to go see all the christmas lights it's just a very very wonderful thing to do this time of year it's uh and uh to go and see the Christmas lights. The very first date I ever had with my sweetheart Leanne was to go see Christmas lights. Remember that, darling? Yeah. That's all right. And uh, um, yeah, it's hard. It, it's hard to top that. When your first dates go see Christmas lights. What's the second date? You know. So anyway, it, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but Christmas lights a huge theme this time of year. Okay. And last week in our first, first sermon of the series, we talked about Jesus being the light of the world. And Jesus came, the, the, uh, he was the Christmas light, right? Um, this week, we're going to talk a little bit different. We talked, we're going to talk about, we're focused on the villain at Christmas, the darkness. And this sermon is called Lights Out. There's a... There's, a, there's an always an opposite to, to the light. It's the darkness, right? And what we're going to focus on this week, admittedly, is difficult. It's, it's, a, it's difficult in its theme. Because we're in, in our focus on this darkness, we're going to talk about, look at, consider, maybe even squirm, about how we, mankind, reacts to the darkness. Okay? So um, I'm going to I want to pray for us now and then I want to I want us to get our hearts and minds prepared and focused on what we're going to experience today, uh, that that God's word is going to be opened and that his truth is going to be revealed and read and spoken of. So let's pray now for that. Father, now in the name of Jesus, I pray. That all distractions would go away. That all, all our hearts would be um, brought to peace. That our minds would become clear. That our emotions would settle. That we would decide to be focused on you now in this place. 
We come from a lot of places and a lot of circumstances and a lot of things that go on at Christmas. We pray for peace now. The peace that passes understanding. To come over this room as we hear your word. As we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin, we're going to kind of move around the scripture today, but I want to begin in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, if you want to take your Bible and turn there. And you're going to recognize this, the first verse for sure, I would think. It's John three sixteen. Then we're going to read through verse 20. Okay, so we're going to read that together. I'm going to, uh, if you didn't bring your Bible or your device that has your Bible app on it, yeah, we'll have the scripture on the screen. And that's what I'm going to refer to. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Okay? So let's read together John 3, verse 16 through 20. All right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, nor have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And then verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. I think this comes, I mean, mean, think about this is a giant juxtaposition, if you will, here in the scripture of this beautiful redeeming, saving, loving truth from God next to this condemning, sad, dying, evil reaction from man. And that's what we want to talk about today. There's some truths in this I just want to explain before we get, and then I have some thoughts, okay? First of all, I want to make this very clear. Jesus didn't, has never, doesn't, and will never condemn anyone. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus has never, doesn't, and will never condemn anyone. This is the truth. Mankind has condemned themselves. Mankind has condemned themselves. You know, I heard, um, <clears throat> I heard of uh, an official, uh, a referee, head official, you know, if you watch college football or professional football, I don't watch much professional football. I'm a college football fan. But I know when they have, there's a penalty, they throw a flag on the field. 
Um, the, the referee who throws the flag goes to the head official. They have a conversation about who and what and how, you know, da 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 da. All right. And then that official comes to, to the field, and you see him come to the field, and he reaches up, turns on his microphone, and he addresses the arena. The great gladiators pause. I see. Any of you noticed the officials lately? They've been working out. They don't have some, you know, if you go back and watch some old, some old clips when they first started doing that and having the official come and the official comes walking up and he's like 40 pounds overweight. He's like, whoo, turns thing on you. And he's like, and now they come up and it's, and they're just, they come up and 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 they've all been to speech class and Dale Carnegie school and they're like it's amazing but anyway so I saw this official one time and he was giving them he, he was give and, and um, some players um, had a little misunderstanding at the after the play was over about who was going to whose house after the game for after party and uh, they got in a little bit of an argument and started talking about each other's mamas all right, and so he comes to the, and there was a, and then punches were thrown, right? So the official comes up and he says this. And I love the way he said it. He said, "Number so and so of this team, as, you know, it's a dead ball, personal foul, right? No one's, you know, no one's so and so unsportsmanlike contact. No more so and so of the red, whatever team it was, has disqualified himself." He didn't say, we've disqualified him, or the coaches have disqualified him, or the other team has disqualified him, or the fans in the stand have disqualified him, or the band has disqualified other cheerleaders that dance. The, the, you know, Gary Danielson has not disqualified him. He has disqualified himself. His, he knew the rules that he must engage in. To play on between, between these lines on this field. 50 yards this way, 100 yards this way, with 10-yard with end zones. He understands what he must do and what he cannot do. And if you choose to act outside of that, it's not the football field's fault, or the rules' fault, or the coaches, or the refs, or the blah, blah, blah. It's you, your fault. It was his fault. He chose to act outside of the clearly stated purpose. And therefore, he disqualified himself. Look, Jesus did not come to disqualify. He came to save. Man has chosen to disqualify himself. He's chosen to be condemned. Here's the thing. We all have chosen darkness rather than light. Here's what we have to understand at Christmas. To understand the significance of the light that came. The significance of the salvation provided. You can't look at the birth of Christ and not look at His death, burial, and resurrection. 
And when you look at the significance of the gift that was given at Christmas and the significance of the light that came, in order to fully understand that, we have to be honest. we got to have a define the relationship moment right here about the darkness. And the fact is, when the Bible says that the world loved the darkness, they're not talking about somebody else. They're talking about you. And they're talking about me. We loved the darkness. We've chosen darkness rather than light. Now why? One, because we love our sin and light exposes it. Look, you and I have got to come to a point where we're just honest with God, with what He already knows about us. That we love our sin. You think about it right now. What is that sin that recurs in your life that you keep going back to like a dog to his vomit? What is it? What is that sin that you keep going back to? You keep going back to it because there's some part of you that likes it. You like it. You like how it feels to talk, spread rumors and gossip about someone else. You like it. You like how the focus is on you for a moment uh, uh, in a positive way. And not you, you like the power that you feel. You like, let's face it, guys, you like to look at porn. There, I said it. You like it. You like what you like. You like your sin. Dare I say, you love it. You love it. And we don't love the light because when the light comes on, it exposes it. What do roaches do when the light comes on? What do my, mice do when the light comes and rats? They run because they don't want to be seen. Don't want to be seen in the light. So, we've chosen darkness over light because we like it. We've got to be honest. Y'all, we have to be honest about that. And two, we've chosen darkness over light because it's who we are. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says this, look, for at one time you were darkness. We'll get to the other part of the verse in a minute. You were darkness at one time. You were darkness. We've chosen the darkness over light because we like it and because that's who we are. Bottom line, look at this bottom line. People love darkness more. Then they love light. From a spiritual sense. People love darkness. More. Than they love light. For mankind in our most basic reality. We love the darkness because that is who we are. That is where we are. Comfortable. And at home. In spiritual. Darkness. God, come, God comes in the form of His Son, Jesus, and calls us to something else. Calls us to the four-letter word, change. So, before we can fully appreciate being saved, before we can fully grasp, grasp what happened at the cross, which started at the manger, as far as the earth is concerned, we have to understand 
Before we can appreciate being saved, we have to grasp from what we were saved. Sometimes we just got to stop and ponder the long, far wilderness of a life that we were living. How far Jesus has brought us. How far God went to get us. And how Holy Spirit drew us to Himself. We were in dark, darkness. So, today, let's be reminded of that. I've got four thoughts. Okay? Four thoughts. Here we go. Thought number one. Before Jesus saved us, we were darkness. Before Jesus saved us, we were darkness. Look again, if it just, I'll just remind you of the, the Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. The, the first phrase says this. For at one time you were darkness. You were darkness. You've got to understand. Before Jesus found you, you were darkness. Look, let me explain. We, you and I, before Jesus found us, weren't in darkness. We were the darkness. Wrap your mind around that. We were not held captive to darkness. We were there willingly, purposefully, and hopelessly. Darkness is not something that happened to us. We weren't the innocent victim of darkness. We were there by our choice. We had condemned ourselves. Do you understand? You've got to wrap your mind around this. We were not influenced by the darkness. We were the influence of darkness. We didn't have a problem with darkness. We were the darkness problem. Do you understand? We were totally, hopelessly, eternally lost. Here's a big thought we have to understand. Some people may try to sell you this. That there's something inside of you. And when you're born, there's something inside of everybody. There's this little, little spark in there. That's good. That's not what the Bible says. Here is a big truth we need to wrap our heads around. There is no divine spark inside each man and woman. You, before Christ... And I are darkness. That's difficult. It's difficult for you and me to think like that. That there is nothing good. Nothing praiseworthy. Nothing worth noting at all. Because without Christ we are darkness. To be darkness means there is no hope. In and of ourselves for turning on the light. Because there's no switch. There's no light. We are in utter darkness because we are utter darkness. That baby that you held in your arms. Brand new born. Utter darkness. It's hard to wrap your head around that. It's hard for me to think back. To when I held my three babies, not all at the same time, but when I held them 
and looked at them, that there was no hope for that child. None outside of Jesus Christ. Outside of my best efforts, there was nothing I can do to save that child. Unless Holy Spirit draws that baby, my little baby Chance, my little baby Claire, my little baby Cooper, unless they are drawn to, to, to Jesus by Holy Spirit, they are utterly, hopelessly lost. And not in the darkness, but they are the darkness. My parents, when they held me, were holding the same. That is difficult to wrap our heads around. It's until maybe they become pre, um, middle schoolers and you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So, have you ever... So, it's, and, it's, and it's difficult to understand the concept of total darkness because we rarely are in total darkness. But I can tell you about a time uh, my family, we, uh, we, a family went to uh, DeSoto Caverns in DeSoto State Park outside of Talladega, Alabama. You, maybe you've heard of Talladega, Alabama. You know, the legend of Ricky Bobby. Maybe you've heard of Talladega. Outside, the DeSoto Cairns is near there. And in deep inside the cave, they'll get you in there and they'll turn and they say, okay, we're going to experience complete and total darkness. And they turn out the lights. And let me tell you, it's dark. There's no light, none. There's light. By no light, I mean there's no light. I mean, you can put your hand right here and the only reason why you know it's there is because you feel it. You begin to lose all sense of direction. The only thing you're sure of is this, where you're standing because you can feel the ground underneath. Otherwise, you, it, you're, I, I'm, I don't know about you, but I had this sense of if you leave these lights on for one more second, I'm going to get on the ground. Because this is creepy. And then they turn the lights back on and we're all like vampires. Oh, the Burning my retinas. But that, that is in itself is an illustration of where we are spiritually. And then what happens when the light comes. We are repelled. We're repelled by the light. It takes some time to understand that the light is better. So, thought one. Before Jesus saved us, we were darkness. We have to understand. We're not in darkness. We weren't in darkness. Your lost friends, your lost family, co-workers, schoolmates, teammates, bandmates, whatever. That you've been praying for. To come to know Christ. You've been looking for opportunities to share gospel conversations with them. Those people are not in the darkness, they are the darkness. And it, it should change the way we view how, how we were saved. And it should change our motivation for sharing the gospel with others. Amen? Oh me? Thought number two. 
So thought number one, before Jesus saved us, we were darkness. We were darkness. And thought number two, before Jesus saved us, we were dead. We were dead. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. 1 and 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You were darkness. You were dead. We weren't. We were not. When we were outside of Christ, we were not sick in sin. In fact, Sin is not a mistake. Sin is not a disease or a weakness or an addiction or a, a fault. These are all symptoms of sin. Sin is our chosen state. We're born with the absolute propensity to sin. We don't have to be taught how to sin. We have to be taught how not to sin. We were born with that propensity to sin that's without exception. We are all subsequently, and we have all subsequently, because of that, sinned. All of us. Voluntarily, willfully, knowingly, we all chose to sin. And what that is, is death. We're, we are darkness. And we are death. And what does a dead person do? What can a dead person do? A dead person is unable to choose. A dead person is ignorant of the truth. A dead person is unable to even discern spiritual things. It took the Holy Spirit effectually calling us to life. If He did not, if Holy Spirit did not call us into life, we would never have we would never have come to the life because we were dead. We were dead. We were dead. Think about Lazarus. Did Lazarus, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, did Lazarus, like, hold on, let me check my schedule? Let me see. Hold on, wait a minute, Jesus. Let me get my cell phone ready because this is going to be a great selfie when I come out. And... Is that what happened? He was dead. He was... All he could do was obey the giver of life. That's it. And spiritually, that's where we are. We're unable to choose. We're ignorant of the truth. We must rely on the giver of life to call us to life. So thought number one when we're trying to understand this issue of darkness. We were darkness. We were dead. And thought number three. This is the worst for me. When we were darkness and dead, 
we loved it. When we were darkness and dead, we loved it. Look at John 3, chapter 3 again, verse 19 and 20. Look, it says right here, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Verse 20. For everyone who has, who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. While we lived in sin and darkness, we loved the darkness and hated the light because the light exposes. The light shows us where we are not good enough. The light shows us where we are doomed. The light shows us where we're, where we're lost, where, we're, where there's no hope, where we're hopeless. That's what the light shows us. And it hurts. And we don't want that. We want to be left alone. We want to just be left alone in our sin. We don't want the light. We wanted to live our lives for ourselves. And we wanted to do that without interruption when we were lost. Before Jesus called us. Before Holy Spirit drew us to Him. And we were saved. Let me say this once again. Before Christ saved us. We hated Him. If we hated the light, and Jesus is the light that came, who did we hate? We have to come to grips with that. We have to say to Him, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I hated You, that I didn't want You, that I wanted what I wanted. I wanted my sin and muck and mire and my lostness and deadness and darkness. That's what I wanted. I was ignorant. It didn't happen to me. I chose it. And when you understand that that's where we all start, that that's what we've been saved from, it ought to change the way we see our salvation. The strong words... But they're true. And let me say this thought one more time. When we were darkness and dead, we loved it. But God. But God. But now. The good news is, but now, look at the rest of Ephesians 5, verse 8. Look, look with me. Look what it says in the word in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It's coming. There it is. For at one time you were darkness, but now you're the light of the Lord because he's called you from darkness. Something has happened at the very base of who you are, a metamorphosis. Is what Paul called it. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you are going to be born again. You get something new. You get me. You're walking in the light. It's the good news. The but now. We were once darkness. Now we're light. Total, absolute 
opposites. You can't find two more diametrically opposed realities. We were darkness and death and dead, and now we're light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You and me, we, that's what we were, and that's what we are now. That's who we're called to be, and that's why we share the gospel. And at Christmas, that's what came. Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's stand and praise Him. Let's stand and praise this great God. Hallelujah. Look, you come. You come now. If you want to step into the light out of the darkness, you come to Him now. I'll tell you how to do it. Just say, Jesus, that's me. I'm lost and dead in darkness. And I want to come to the light. And I want to do that today. You come. You come now. And let's praise now this great God. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah.